Now it's time to take a look at our featured mag of the day today, which is, of course, Take A Break magazine. And I'm so delighted because Donna Smiley joins me from the mag now. Hello, missus. Hiya, how are you? I'm good, thanks this week. How are you? I'm cold. I'm in a summer dress and it's freezing and raining. <laughs> well, do you know something? I actually, I did put sleeves on today. Did you? Um, but it's a kind of thin top and I'm freezing myself. Yeah, I'm really cold. I always get it wrong. Yesterday I was hot. I just think I need, think I need two outfits to bring every day. Do you know, I think that's a really good idea. In Me fact, too. I think there should be a work budget. Um, I do. That allows us to, yeah, wouldn't it be easier be if we just did a work uniform, yeah. summer and winter? Well, a nice one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, obviously. Obviously. Yeah, but Designer. I'm, uh, exactly. I'm off to Greece in just under two weeks now, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, fantastic. What part of Greece are you going to? Um, I'm going to Zanti. My brother's actually getting married there, so there's a few of us going for 10 days. So, oh, amazing. Yeah, are really you going to be a bridesmaid? No, I'm not. I wasn't asked, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But it's a tiny wedding. They're just, they've got a little boys. So they're making everything really simple. Oh, that sounds yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> Do you know what a lovely way to get married? Just I think going so abroad too. and doing it in the sunshine. No is hassle really either. Lo- yeah, definitely. And we get a holiday. <laughs> oh well, listen, exactly. And I hope um, I hope I get to speak to you before then. But if I don't, have an amazing time. Thank you. Um, and uh, congratulations to your brother. Thank you very but, much. But uh, listen, we've got a brand new copy of Take a Break magazine. It is out. This week's edition is out, and it's fabulous as always. And Take a Break wouldn't be Take a Break without a love rat story. So we're going to start off with who's been sleeping in my bed. This is by a lady called Eleanor. Eleanor was sitting on the sofa nursing her bump when she became aware of several eyes looking up at her. When she looked over, she realised why. Her family were all staring at her and a fiddle in the middle of their front room. It was her boyfriend Phil and he was on one knee. Eleanor, he said, will you marry me? She opened her mouth to reply but before she could say a word, her nan chimed in. Silly beggar, she said, and everybody laughed. Her nana was old-fashioned and she'd always imagined that Phil would sweep Eleanor off of her feet with a romantic gesture but getting engaged in front of her family was exactly what she'd dreamt of. Phil and her had been sweethearts since they were 14, and now four years on, she was pregnant with their first child. After they got engaged, they moved into a new house, and she gave birth to a little girl. But instead of planning their wedding, they found themselves swept up by family life, and in what seemed like no time at all, they had three more children. Having four children under the age of four was hard work. They planned to stop there, so it was a bit of a shock to Eleanor when she discovered she was pregnant again. She said to Phil... We'll cope. How hard will it be to have one more? But when baby Callum was born, a flurry of doctors appeared and he was whisked off to intensive care. What's wrong with him? Eleanor asked, but no one could tell her. Phil held her hand and reassured her, saying, Everything's to be okay, you'll see. But it wasn't. Callum had been born with his bladder on the outside of his body, the doctor told them. When he's a few months older, he'll need an operation to move it inside. They were both terrified. In the meantime, Eleanor had to learn how to look after him, change his catheter and give him his medicine. It wasn't easy, but they managed, and to help financially, Phil worked overtime. It meant that she didn't see much of him, and when she did, he always seemed to be on his phone. But she didn't make a fuss. She knew he was doing it for them. Soon, they had a date for Callum's operation. It was due to take place at the Royal Children's Hospital in Manchester, more than an hour away from their home. Her and Phil agreed that she should go and stay with Callum in hospital, and he'd remain at home with the kids. While he was at work, her parents would step in and help with childcare, a week before they were due to leave, her friend Tony visited her to take her out to lunch. You go and enjoy yourself, Phil said. I'll look after the kids. Eleanor rang for a taxi to take her to town, but she got in and it pulled away. She noticed something strange. At the same moment, another car was pulling up outside a house and a woman with blonde hair climbed out. She'd never seen her before and she felt worried. When she saw Tony, she said, Don't think Phil's got another woman, do you? Don't be daft, she said. Phil adores you. She's probably just a friend. 
Phil had talked about a pal of his called Jenny, and Eleanor thought she wondered if that was her. But what was she doing at her house? Eleanor didn't want to start an argument just as Callum was about to go to hospital, so she left it. But a few days later, she was in the garden when her neighbour popped her head over the fence. Phil was in the garden with another woman when you were out the other weekend, she said. She didn't know how to respond, so she went inside and asked Phil. It was my friend Jenny, he said. She came over to help me with the kids. Why didn't you tell me, she asked. There was nothing to tell, he replied. She wasn't sure that she believed him. So she found Jenny's number on his phone and sent her a message. What's going on with you and Phil? Straight away, she replied, nothing. He's just a friend, that's all. Eleanor decided to take her word for it. After all, she had bigger things on her mind. Callum had set up from Manchester, and at the hospital, Callum was prepared for surgery. He was so tiny, Eleanor hated the idea of him being cut open. But she knew the operation was vital, so she put her fears to one side and did her best to stay positive. Callum was wheeled into the operating theatre, and eight hours later, his surgeon came to see her. It went well, he said, but his recovery will take time, and it was going to be at least three weeks before she could even cuddle him. In the meantime, Eleanor moved into Ronald McDonald House nearby and Phil rang daily with updates from home. Don't worry about us, he said. I'm busy with work, but I'm getting help with the kids. Eleanor wondered what that meant. Then one morning, two weeks after Callum's operation, her phone beeped and she saw that Phil had sent her a text. When she opened it, she couldn't believe her eyes. It read, I think we should finish. Before she could ask what happened, her phone beeped again. This time Phil had written, There's someone else, we won't be getting back together. Everything sorted into place and she thought, Jenny, she was livid. Their little boy had just had major surgery, but instead of being with them, Phil was messing about with another woman. Part of Eleanor wanted to storm home and give him a piece of her mind, but a big part of her knew that she needed to remain with her poorly son. They stayed in hospital for another week and Eleanor didn't hear from Phil at all. Then at last, Callum was well enough to come home. Eleanor's dad collected them and drove them back home. All the way there, she felt sick at what she might find. But even with her mind going into overdrive, she wasn't prepared for what she saw when she unlocked the door and stepped inside. Phil was sitting on the sofa watching TV and beside him was a woman, a woman with blonde hair. She looked at him and then she looked at her and she went mad. Is this why you couldn't come to see Callum, she screamed, because you've been shacked up with her. Phil just shrugged and she saw red. She went for Jenny and Phil called the police. She didn't want any trouble so she called a friend, bundled the children into the car and went to her parents' house. In the days that followed, one shock followed another. She discovered that while she'd been in hostel with Callum, Jenny had moved in. She'd been cooking in her kitchen, using her bathroom and probably sleeping in her bed. A neighbour told her she'd even taken her children to the park. It was beyond belief. Eleanor thought she knew Phil, but the man she loved would never have done something like that. Somehow, he'd changed beyond recognition. Eventually, he and Jenny moved out and she moved back in with the kids. She scrubbed the house down from top to bottom, trying to raise every sign of her, but it took more than soap and water to get rid of her pain. She couldn't believe Phil had been so cruel. He'd thrown away eight years together and hurt when she was at her most vulnerable. But little by little, she got back on her feet and she started seeing somebody new. As for Callum, he needs one more operation, but he's doing really well. And that's the main thing. Her and her other children are her main priority from now on. Phil and Jenny can just get lost. And that's it. Do you know something? That is an absolute heartbreaker of a story, isn't it? Because she's only 24 now, so she's a really young girl, isn't she? Like, oh, it's just dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. You, don't, you can't understand why somebody, how somebody could be thinking about another woman in their life or another partner exactly. in their life while you know their their child is then having major yeah. life-saving operations. Exactly. It doesn't make sense, does it? And they've been together for so long. It's really odd. Oh, it's awful. Absolutely awful. Well, listen, I think you've got a much nicer story for us. Yeah. For your second story. <laughs> so uh, what have you got for us this time? 
So I've got a story called The Kiss of Life, and this is by Sam. As the scan hovered over Sam's one baby at a time, Sam's husband Alex and her stared at the screen transfixed. This one's a boy, the snographer said. Alex squeezed her hands, and the other is also a boy, she added. Just six months earlier, Sam had miscarried twins and they'd been devastated. But now she was 17 weeks pregnant with two healthy boys. Their anxiety finally turned into excitement. The rest of her pregnancy went smoothly, despite terrible morning sickness. At 36 weeks, her waters broke. A midwife examined her and said, One baby's heartbeat is dropping. We'll need you get for an emergency caesarean now. Alex held her hand as their first son Eldon came screaming into the world, weighing £6.01, followed by his brother Reed, two minutes later weighing £5.11. ounces. Both babies were whisked off to an incubator to help control their temperature. Two hours later, Alex placed the twins on her chest and kissed their heads, and a rush of love swept through her. After two days, they were allowed to take them home. She put Reed at one end of the Moses basket and Eldon at the other. She fletched a blanket to cover them up, and when she got back, something took her breath away. Alex, come quick, she said. Reed had snuggled up to Eldon, and their arms were limp. Look how cute they are, she said. It's adorable, Alex said, as he snapped pictures on his phone. That evening, they put the twins in separate Moses baskets for the night, but then they began to scream. Sam said, I think the boys are trying to tell us something. She placed them side by side and watched in delight as Eldon reached for Reed, and they drifted off to sleep holding hands. After nine months together, they can't be a bear to be apart, Alex said. As weeks passed, Alex put on weight and got much bigger than Reed. Sam's gut instinct told her that something wasn't right, especially when Reed's skin turned a yellow colour. She took him to her GP, who said, If he doesn't improve, I'll refer him to a paediatrician for blood tests. But three days later, his eyes turned yellow. I don't like this, she told Alex. He took Reed to an emergency walk-in centre while Sam stayed at home with Elgin. Next thing she knew, she had a frantic call from Alex. Reed's liver isn't functioning properly, he said. They're transferring us to Birmingham Children's Hospital. Sam's heart began to pound. She strapped Eldon into his car seat and drove there as fast as she could. Doctors told her they expected um, Reed had biliary otisserie, a condition where bile ducts in and around the liver are blocked or narrow. The build-up of bile can cause liver failure, the doctor said. Well, what can you do, she asked him. He explained that they would need to carry out a biopsy. Then we may need to open him up to unblock the bile ducts, he said. She nodded. Next day, she was about to sign the consent form when she hesitated. This seems such a lot to put him through, she said. He's only nine weeks old. If you don't, he'll get really poorly, the doctor said. Will he die, she asked. One look at the doctor's face told her all she needed to know. Just do it, she said, signing the form. Reed started to whimper, so Alex placed Eldon in the cot. Eldon snuggled up to his brother and immediately Reed began to to relax. Then something magical happened. Eldon tilted his head forward, pursed his lips and kissed Reed on the back of the head as if to say, good luck bro, you can do this. As Reed's eyes lit up, she felt a surge of hope. If anyone could get him through this, it was his twin. Then Reed was wheeled down for his operation. Alex and her went with him and they told him how much they loved him. Five hours later, Reed was in recovery. The surgeon said, I can't say 100% but I'm confident it's been successful. Thank you, Sam said. When she saw Reed, she felt sick. He had tubes coming all over his body and a blanket wrapped around his head to keep him warm. Mummy's here, she told him. Five days later, Reed was well enough to return home to their house. She put Eldon beside him in the travel cot and instantly the boys fell asleep holding hands. Those two make my heart melt, Alex said. We're so lucky to have them, she said. Eldon will make Reed feel content again. And she was right. Following his operation, Eldon helped him every step of the way. At first, Reed didn't have an appetite and had to be tube-fed. By the time they were old enough to start solid food, they put each one in a high chair opposite the other. 
Reed watched as his brother ate mushed up porridge and yoghurt. They gave him a spoon to put in his mouth so he didn't feel left out. After he'd had his feeding tube removed, they were fielding Eldon when Reed started to bang his hands on his high chair, as if to say, what about me? I placed his spoon in his mouth and he ate the yoghurt, then began to giggle, reaching out for more. Alex said, look, he's copying Eldon. And when Eldon started to crawl, Reed tried to copy him again. Although he wasn't as quick to hit his milestone, Sam knew that he wouldn't be doing it as well if he didn't have his brother's lead to follow. Now, they still don't know what the future holds or if Reed will need a liver transplant, but both twins bring so much joy into their lives. When Eldon is mischievous, he turns to Reed with a cheeky grin to check his reaction. Reed then giggles and Eldon carries on. It's comical to watch. Whatever happens, I know that Reed will look to his big brother for strength and Eldon will be more than happy to provide it. Eldon is definitely the best medicine for Reed. Oh, do you know, that's that's know. so lovely, isn't it? That that bond. So sweet. There's the, a pi- the, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking that the, you know the bond that twins yeah, they say no, twins often had have it's it's amazing isn't it? Yeah, and there's a, a big picture of when they were when he was in the hospital and he's literally putting a kiss on his forehead with his arm around him. It's so sweet. Oh, gorgeous! <laughs> I know. I love oh, oh, do you know something, Donna? Thank you so much for taking That's us okay. through those stories, particularly that last one, which is just nice, uh, put it? a big smile on all our faces. That's I'm one of sure. mine. Yes. Oh well, listen, it's beautifully written. So well <laughs> done. You. And uh, obviously, if anybody wants to go out and get a copy of the mag, then they can now. It is out now. You can also take a look online. It's a fully accessible website. Have you got the web address? I have. It's www.takeabreak.co.uk. Donna Smiley, fabulously talented writer from Take a Break magazine. Thank you so very much for joining us here on RNIB Connect Radio. We'll speak to you soon.